0: Coming to you from high atop our luxury studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, this is Tech Move. This is episode 20. In today's episode, we talk about things we wish we could have seen at NAB 2015. Some of its hits and some of its misses. Keith gives us a lesson in color grading versus color correction. We talk gear, specifically about the Nebula 4000 gimbal. Plus, see how we work in a discussion about Paris Hilton? All that and so much more, right here on another episode of Tech Move. Here we go! Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us again on another terrific episode of Tech Move. Keith, uh, a big milestone here—we are celebrating with episode twenty here on Tech Move. Congratulations! Thanks,
1: Rodney. Yeah, that's, that's twenty episodes over almost three years. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, but you came up with a very interesting statistic. About yeah. our twenty episodes, why don't you lay that right. out on uh, the American pub and uh, worldwide public? I challenge any other
1: podcast to to match our minutes per episode. <laughs> I mean, I think we're the 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 uh, undisputed champion. We're right. we like the Mayweather, right? The Mayweather of Floyd, the Floyd Mayweather of podcasts. Uh, we uh, we last for fifteen rounds. We we dodge and weave and and pretty much run away from our opponents. Run away and hold. And yeah, and we talk for a really long time. Right. And don't and don't shut up. And th- and that accounts for our 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 high minutes per episode.
0: Well, you know, and and, and I think what, <laughs> and, and you know what is it? And like some of our fellow podcasters actually kind of keep their podcast about half hour, maybe an hour, where ours are like three. You know, three hours. two yeah. three two, hours. Two Two to three hours. Average. Yeah, I, you know, and I yeah. and I attribute that to just us droning on and on and and not knowing when to quit. So, um, speaking of drones, we'll get to that. I'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right. Well, uh, so folks, thank you very much for uh, sticking with us and being so patient as we uh, uh, put out episodes when when we can. I know we don't have a real great schedule of when we put them out. But you know what? Think of it more like Christmas Day. It's like getting a nice present when when, when one comes out. So, you know, uh, here's or, episode 20. Or getting a rain check when you can't actually get the present on the same day. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So here we are. We're on episode 20. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with us and giving us a listen. We really appreciate it. We also want to thank some of our uh, our friends abroad uh, that are not here in North America who have uh, contacted us. It's great that you are joining us and being part of the tech move nation. That's we're a little we, bit
1: like, the, we're like the Jerry Lewis of podcasts. We have more fans outside of the United States than inside. That's
0: right. That's right. And that's why I'm going to get my <laughs> black shoe polish to put on my head. In in just a few seconds. Anyway, hey, uh, Keith, I want to welcome you back from a, uh, I think, I'm going to classify it as a whirlwind trip uh, over uh, to the Far East. I think you went to Hong Kong, if I'm correct.
1: Yep, went to Hong Kong for a job. And i just come back from NAB in
0: Las Vegas, and four days later, I I was flying to Hong Kong. So you've got a lot of nice frequent flyer mileage uh, on you right now. (laughs) (laughs) i guess so yeah
1: um it's a pretty long flight it's about 14 hours
0: yes did you lay over somewhere
1: no just direct really good didn't want to spend that extra time
0: oh good oh that's
1: good but it
0: sometimes can be arduous though to sit there on for for so long yeah Yeah. i I actually like layovers myself oh you do yes where would you lay over uh uh, when you go to hong kong well you know what i haven't been to hong kong i've only been to china Okay, but so, to China then? Uh, well, see, that doesn't really count because I think we, uh, we laid, a, we we flew into Beijing. Oh, okay. So, so it was a pretty long, super long. It flight. It was pretty much Beijing. a direct flight because we we yeah. were headed to like Shanghai and stuff like that. So we, you know, you go into the main hub and you go yeah. there. So yeah, well, it was a long flight, fourteen hours. Singapore
1: Airlines, they're great. Nice. They're they're definitely a good good airline. Yeah. Had kind of interesting seats, there were the exit row seats, which it- oh, paid. I love those, yeah, well, this was kind of weird because you pay for these exit row seats, and there 's nothing in front of you, like you don't normally you have stuff like a like a little pouch to put your stuff in right, like right in the seat in front of you, and there's there 's just like ten feet of space in front of you right. in this parent plane, and the thing is there 's no place to put your stuff so and a lot of people had come before us, and so we couldn 't put our stuff that close to us, right. so that 's one flaw, but we on the on the way back we we pushed people out of the way so we could put our stuff in the bins right next to us right. above us, right. uh, you know and those people you know the p- people with the kids and all the extra gear and stuff you know when they finally you know knew what was happening and it was too late their their bins above their heads were filled <laughs> with our stuff right 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 right
0: <laughs> and, and uh did you get individual video screens for indi- uh, for entertainment, or did you just have to that little five inch screen right in front of you? <laughs> There was like a ten-inch screen that was ten feet away, but actually, luckily, we have the, they had
1: these really intricate flip-out, yes, nice TVs that were kind of stowed in, on the side of right. the hand handrail handrest.
0: Right, correct.
1: Didn't yes. really use them though. Oh, you did not really. No, no. I brought a um, MacBook Pro. Right. And so we watched a bunch of um, Blu-rays that I'd burned on there.
0: Good. Yeah. Oh, good. S- and battery so. lasted for most of that time.
1: You know, it's cool as they have AC power on the plane. Oh, all that! RVC. Oh, that is great. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, Wow. and that's in coach. Yeah, that's in all the all the wow, seats. That's have it. Sh- that's shocking. Yeah, and they actually allow two bags to be checked in. You yeah. know, and and you know, it was actually really bad though, or actually very, I could say, um, I got pretty nervous about it. Was when I came in, I I, I usually have these two carry ons that are really nice, very lightweight, hard sided um, luggage, right? Um, for carry-ons, and I keep all my expensive camera gear in these two things, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars sure. of camera gear, and and it's pretty dense and they're packed pretty well with padding and little things that you can buy to insert into regular uh, carry-on luggage. And and I got to the Singapore thing, and like I said, can you put your carry-on on the scale? And I said, well, why? And he says, well, because we have a limit for weight. Oh, oh. Yeah, and my stuff was way like double the limit i think it was like 12 kilo- kilograms and mine were like 20 or something they're they both really heavy <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and like i said we can't you can't put this in the on the upper overhead bins huh. and i said well it, you, we're gonna have to make an exception because there's no way i'm gonna check the stuff in
0: right it's exactly not
1: packed for it's not packed for luggage
0: right and especially the way it, the uh you know especially the way those guys handle the luggage oh yeah it would
1: it, all the stuff would have been instantly destroyed right so um, he, I said, "There's some really expensive camera gear in both these things," and he said, "Well, maybe we can make an exception. Can you open them up and show us?" So I, sh- I opened both cases and showed him all this gear—you know, all these multiple cameras and multiple things, right. microphones and other expensive stuff, monitor, monitors—and he kind of looked at it and said, "Okay, we can make an exception. Just t- just tell the people on the plane if they if they ask you that, we said it was okay." That was really reassuring.
0: I'm I'm surprised you didn't have to flash the suitcase full of $100 bills. Get that bag on there. Yeah.
1: Well, it was just for a few moments, it was quite nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. That actually reminds me of another trip I took um, kind of when I started traveling with a lot of gear, and I bought this huge, like, Pelican flight case that on its own weighed a lot right empty right and i had tons of stuff in there and when i got there uh it was not only was it too heavy for to be checked in to to the not not the carry-on but the the checked luggage right uh it was also too big so it was dimensionally too big and it was too
0: heavy (laughs) and
1: (laughs) like it was it was over 100 pounds and their limit is 100 pounds right even for the even if you want to pay extra for extra luggage They're it was going to that. yeah so they basically sold me a box you know a cardboard box <laughs> <laughs> and i took like 20 pounds of stuff out of this huge case right and put it into the box and then checked that in and paid extra for that and then paid extra for the 100 pound thing and the overdimensional thing and so the 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 luggage bill for that particular time was like $500 <laughs> <laughs>
0: You, you know, I wonder, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure some of our listeners run into that type of thing. I wonder, you know, is it more worth it to, like, kind of have this stuff kind of plotted out and then, like, have FedEx send it or send it UPS to your to wherever your shoot is going to be? Is, is that a possibility or is that just too crazy?
1: Uh, some people actually do that. It can be uh, cheaper if you truck it there, if you have a lot of stuff. Right. Um, If it's something small like this, it's kind of a wash. Um, It might be less, less nerve-wracking to do it through UPS or FedEx. Yeah. Because then you could just pack it and not have to worry about being at the airport and having to worry about transporting all this stuff. Because it's a lot of stuff to carry around. Right. Uh, you have to have, uh, you know, a huge, one of those, those push carts. Oh, with, yeah. You know, stacked to... Like five feet high,
0: like the ones that you have uh, at uh, Costco when you when you're buying all <laughs> right. your restaurant supplies, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, I actually have not done that FedEx thing. I've always just traveled with the bags, so I just want to be with them and right. not have to worry about things. And also, there's a lot of planning, and you have to be without gear for some time. So if you're if you're doing shoots and work right up to the the last second, then you can't really spend time shipping it because you wouldn't ship it like FedEx Air. Or one day probably send it ground, right? So that it wouldn't cost so much. And then if you send it ground, you have to send, you know, just allow for a week or whatever. Oh, that's true. If it's if it's a far location, so right. Yeah. So, but sometimes just traveling with stuff is a little a little hairy. But and I hear that um, if you say that your media or or something, you can sometimes get a better rate. But I don't think that they honor that as much as they used to
0: (laughs) you were waving around the tech move flag and they (laughs) said what's that what's again again i forgot my tech move business cards oh you did oh dog on it dog on it well you could have written one out of crayon (laughs) (laughs) let's see if that would have gone anyway yeah so got there and the thing is i had my
1: shoot started that day when you arrived yeah wow it was like i didn't even have a day to rest and so i just went and i hadn't slept much on the plane so i I was probably up for like forty eight hours straight. Without with like two hours of sleep. Right. Doing the
0: shoot. Right. With all my stuff. Too bad everything's out of focus, folks. (laughs) I could probably try and post post production that, but
1: the sharpening filters are amazing nowadays. I really like the dreamy filters here. (laughs) Now this is a look I was I was trying to achieve. The out of focus. <laughs> I'm an artist. Shots. You be
0: quiet over there. I'm an artist.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, I think it turned out fine. Good. I was I was pretty tired by the end of that day, but got some rest the next day.
0: So. Uh real quickly, what equipment yeah. did you uh did you shoot with? I shot pretty much
1: uh with the C100. Uh my chest, my trusty C100, uh really nice Tamron lens that I got pretty recently. It's a Tamron zoom. It's a 24 to 70 mm-hmm. full frame uh ta- uh Tamron zoom. Excellent. Speed 2.8. Nice. Nice. It's huge. It's like a really big heavy lens, okay. but it's it's actually one of my favorite lenses now. And uh I do like those Tamrons, I'll tell you. I do like so, them. Some of them are really they're like some of the really all-purpose ones are kind of C- they're kind of uh, the compromised because right. of they're so inexpensive Yeah, and have and such mass a
0: production on. and stuff like yeah. that
1: but the one that I have I might, the one that I got it's, it's not a cheap lens it's like a $1300 lens or something yeah. and so and the glass in it's really good and it, and, um, it does really good autofocus with the uh, dual pixel autofocus on the C100 which comes in really handy I love that autofocus
0: is it, it fast and quiet?
1: it's really fast and quiet and mm. it's it's so much more accurate than focusing by by you know if you need to focus fast, it's really great. Right. Um it's it's of course better to if you have the time to do, know, do it, it yourself. in, yeah, you know, zoom in or whatever, but sometimes you don't you have to just do this stuff quickly. Right. So I use that. Um C one hundred with uh on either onboard mics or XLRs to um a boom it's kinda interesting. I, I actually made this DIY uh microphone boom stand. Oh nice. Yeah, it's not meant to be a boom stand. It's actually made out of very lightweight aluminum telescoping pole. It was actually meant to be a a, uh, a disc holder, you know, like those reflective discs that are about two to three feet. In diameter. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's got little rubber things to hold them, kind of like little, with little slots in it. Okay. Um, but I adapted it to be a microphone boom on my mobile shoots because it's so much lighter than standard booms. And it goes out really far. I just have to make sure it's weighted down. Um, right and also tip over yeah and I just adapted to a, a lightweight um, a light stand it has a has a, a kind of a locking C C stand clamp on top and uh, it works really really well so that's what I used for miking people in interviews did interviews pretty much all the first day. So it was not too hard. Oh, that's once good. we were set up. Yeah. We had to scout the place. It was a kind of a, it was in a part of Hong Kong that's called the new territories. Okay. And it's in a fairly new building. They have great views of the water and other stuff. So we, we got some pretty good, um, I like to shoot with, with the window behind. Right.
0: But you nice. get a lot of backlight problems though, right?
1: You get a lot of backlights. So you have to flood them with a lot of light. Mm-hmm. So I had some pretty close up soft boxes. Right. And, uh, and a, and a ring light as well to just give some fill, uh-huh. and then I have the, the 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 setting I have on my camera is the high dynamic range setting, so it it works pretty well. Still still can capture the brightness of the outside with some detail, but then they're they're okay too. They're not under lit. So and then I also had the GH4 kind of running the whole time, kind of as a safety nice. uh, with a wide angle. Nice, and that was pretty much what I'd use for the interviews. And,
0: and you then, were pretty pleased with that.
1: It works okay. That's what I'm pretty much doing now. Is I'm using the GH4. Just as kind of the same. C- I hardly ever use the GH4, uh, but I do occasionally use them. Okay. I'm mostly using the C100 for the close-ups, okay. on the interviews, and right. then occasionally I'll do a wide shot with the GH4. But I won't always use the full, full thing. But the thing thing is, since it's in 4K, I can crop a little bit and still have a different angle. Right. Not super wide, maybe not like the whole room with all the extra equipment and stuff that right you can see right right but right. uh yeah that's pretty much my my interview setup I also brought my a7 s and sometimes I'll have that on a uh, on a second shooter going back and forth framing that person and 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 then it's on a slider nice so I can kind of rotate around them uh keeping them centered and the background moves and that's kind of a nice shot to cut to. I didn't really have time. And I didn't think that these people needed it, and the the environment wasn't wasn't so interesting that that would have that would have worked. So I just decided not to use that, even though I brought all that equipment with me. Right. I just didn't use it.
0: You know, uh, one thing that I find very interesting is that you know we we you know we talk about the shot setup and the equipment that you bring. Uh, do they have an idea what they want to talk about Are you or you know and and you're just going over just to literally shoot it or do you have to kind of think of some scripting and stuff like that
1: uh it's actually a combination of things sometimes with a company like this one was a they'd actually not done this before it was kind of one of the first times they they'd done this um especially speaking in english ah because uh, it's a chinese company right um hong kong based company and so they did feel the need to, at least with some of the executives, the high, the high-end people, they needed to script it. Um, and but then you're would, not
0: doing the scripting; they are doing the scripting, and you're just. I kind of had them do the scripting,
1: okay, right. and I, I made some suggestions about about it right. um, beforehand. You know, a couple of weeks before, I said you could ask these kind of questions, and then they took they took that and ran with it. Um, the problem with people that aren't used to speaking. Is the scripting doesn't always work that that well, right? Then because it
0: sounds like reading at that point, right? Yeah,
1: and they can't really be reading it. And I didn't. I actually could have brought a teleprompter, but I didn't. So they couldn't really even read it and be natural either, right? Uh, and they're not supposed to be looking at the at the at the camera anyway. They're supposed to be looking off the camera right. in this particular situation. So right. it was a little rough, but we just kind of kept doing takes, and we had them do you know one sentence at a time, and and eventually. You know, we we got it through, and then those were the execs cause they so they had to kind of say the company line and say the right things. Right. And then later, I introduced. else be a lot of- shot by the uh, <laughs> that guy standing on the side. <laughs> yeah, I I tried to ignore that yeah. person over there, <laughs> right. the armed guard or whoever that was. <laughs> right. But um, but uh, then the then the uh, the regular people, the the workers. It was a high tech company that they do software. Um, the workers, I pretty much asked the questions
0: oh okay yeah
1: and what was kind of cool is a friend of mine was there it was actually the um the boyfriend of this woman uh jane who was my girlfriend's friend mm-hmm. so it actually worked out really well he actually has some film experience so he was kind of my assistant for the whole time oh nice yeah so it actually worked out pretty well and he's he's pretty good so it's kind of funny he was actually the the person the target that they were talking to ah okay so that it could be the cameraman sometimes. Um, I don't have that extra person. Right. But uh, in this case, I did, and it worked out great, and he's really good. He's an actor, so he has a certain amount of presence. He got really good at nodding. You <laughs> <laughs> can put that in his resume. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Acting experience. Nodding enthusiastically
0: right. for hours. <laughs> I've, I've seen some actors' resumes, and there's there's a lot worse, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I
1: try, I try to have somebody either... one of the the company people or somebody else being the target that they speak to and I usually, so that I can kind of monitor the camera work and and the whole other environment Right. Um, I kind of need to be more a little bit distant and not the actual interviewer sometimes I am though, and if I am I have
0: a little monitor right in front of me so I can just make sure everything looks okay great, 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 good is this hours of footage that, that, that you took? What do you yeah, think?
1: it's probably. I think total is probably about three hours. Three hours of stuff. Yeah, maybe three or four hours. It was four, d- four days of shooting. Oh wow, that's a lot. That's yeah. actually kind of a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. four. It was it was, uh, oh, five sessions actually. It was three three days, and then one day we did two sessions. Mm-hmm. So, but they didn't. The the the. It wasn't like the camera was on the whole time. Right. Um, Setting and it,
0: up and waiting around for people, all this kind of stuff.
1: Right. Um, and I did a bunch of B-roll of the environment and actually used um, a new gadget, a new piece of gear that I have called a Nebula 4000 Light. It's a gimbal. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's actually, it's pretty cool. I actually have another gimbal, which is the Came 7500, but this one's, that one's kind of large. This one's actually kind of small. It's actually just like a pistol grip. Oh. Ah. And then, yeah, with a little cage above it and the cage, you know, moves around like a gimbal and I, it's not for really large cameras, but it'll fit a GH4 easily. Uh-huh. So, so that's what I used. I used the GH4, and I did a whole bunch of walkthroughs, and I had the whole company. Um, it's kind of funny because the, the company just moved in this kind of larger building, so there's a, there's maybe half the cubes are unfilled. Right. And they were really worried that it would seem unimpressive if they weren't all filled. Sure. So right. I um, at at some point uh, towards the end when I was doing the B-roll, I had everybody like fill the cubes. Right. So there are all these people in empty cubes, or right. Cubes, cubes of other people that weren't there, right? You just see the, tops of heads and yeah, stuff like,
0: just, just to put bodies
1: in the seats. Yeah, so right. that was kind of fun. That's it kind fun. of Got the whole company involved. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah that sounds great. Yeah, well, good. That was a fun shoot. Good, good, good. Well, I'm glad you made it back. That's uh, Thank, thanks, thanks uh, for that. that. That is excellent. Uh, you, you know, I wanted to just mention something real, real quickly here. Um. Just as an off thing and has really nothing related to your trip or anything. But my ears are killing me right now. Uh, Really? I, I am wearing, hang on, I have to scratch the inside of my ear canal right now. I know that for our listening audience, that is a picture to behold but I am almost putting my first uh, my finger up to my first knuckle <laughs> down my ear canal right now. Why, you ask? Because I've got uh, one in ear set of headphones, uh, specifically my right ear uh, in ear headphones uh, on that ear, and uh, you, and I know you're asking Rod, why are you doing that? Why aren't you using... Right,
1: why are are you doing this? Right. (laughs)
0: Uh, I I, I have to explain to you my cockamamie setup here. Uh, I know a lot of you folks have heard some of our our setups and our trials and errors with uh, getting Tech Move off the ground and stuff like that. I'll I'll try and be as brief as I possibly can, but I won't be. So just bear (laughs) with me a moment. Keith, I am uh, right now recording this. Uh, off my beautiful, um, what do you call this thing? The ZenX Pro? Right, but it's from Be- uh, Behringer. Behringer, yeah. The, the ZenX 80- Q802 <laughs> USB mixer. It's a really nice mixer. I really, really like it. Uh, so I've got headphones, over-the-ear headphones, plugged into this mixer. I'm listening to myself talk right now, okay? Yeah, But the to, mixer. But to listen to Keith, who's in the other studio, meaning his house, <laughs> uh, in order to listen to Keith, I have to get my audio off my computer. I and I'm guessing this is off the Skype, uh, uh, off the Skype uh, uh, signal. Is right. that right? Right, because it's yeah, exactly. So I've got a second pair of headphones, specifically in ears going to my computer so mm-hmm. i can listen to keith talk mm-hmm. i mean heaven forbid that my mixer be able to blend the two no that's <laughs> impossible we can't do that that would be too much it, without it was
1: something that we were really shocked by that we couldn't easily do it when you got the mixer we
0: went through it and went oh i guess you can't do it there, I, I, th- there- I think i tried every adapter that there was to try and get that to go but it just wouldn't go I bet if we I bet if you came over if
1: I visited you yes. and we brought a few adapters, I bet we could kind of figure it out through some left-right machinations.
0: You probably could, but the yeah. chances of us doing that would be very, very slim. <laughs> very, very slim. Anyway, so my my workaround again is to have Keith come right out of my computer and into my little uh, in ears. So anyway, so I'm shoving my in-ears so I can hear Keith, and then putting my over the ears to hear myself on top of that. So I'm wearing two I'm wearing two <laughs> headphones right now as we speak right now.
1: You're kind of like those people that go to the the IMAX theaters and they wear glasses. Yes. And then they put the, the IMAX glasses over their glasses. I am like, glasses. I'm
0: like the older gentleman who wears the bivocals, <laughs> but then puts on the those big sunglass shields on top of them. So that I can just have sunglasses. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen those or not. No, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's that's like, like wearing it's like wearing you shoe say? boxes on your on your eyes. <laughs> like
1: or or, or your you're like Cyclops
0: from X Men. I think
1: that's a better illustration. <laughs> that's like, better. Yeah. yeah, those really gigantic sunglasses that just cover every all the sides. I'm, the I of I might
0: of your as face. well wear <laughs> snorkeling goggles. <laughs> you know, yeah. type of thing. But anyway, I think
1: maybe you should add. In addition to your double earphones, I think
0: you should add the eyewear. I think that would complete it. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) Uh, So so anyway, uh, and this was really weird. Uh, I had discovered earlier. I go, gosh. Okay, so before we begin our recording, Keith and I kind of talk about what we want to talk about, you know, for for the recording here. And I said, man, I just... Keith, you sound terrible. You sound awful. You know, you're all muffled. You're... Get a better mic or something like that, right? <laughs> and uh, and then lo and behold, I noticed, hey, it's on my part. It's my dumb headphones. For some reason, I can't wear the in-ears with the over-the-ears on top of one another. Uh, the over-the-ears have to be like, you know, I-, I have to wear essentially one one headphone for one ear. You can't put them on top because I think what I discovered was that, uh, with with the pressure of the over the ear, it seemed to have muffled the the. <laughs> the, the anyway, look. I think we're going to have to bring this to the Tech Move Labs and really figure out what's going on. You know what? I'm dizzy explaining it. I, I, I think I've, we have had some enough. kind
1: of reverse um standing wave cancellation going on. So here it headphones.
0: is. The yeah. bottom line here is that I'm very cool right now. I've got one over the ear right now. And uh-huh. then one in ear. And uh, you know, I'm just uh, you know, trying to get my equilibrium together. So, <laughs> so you have one
1: headphone over. one over the ear headphone on one on which ear? On my left. Okay. And then on your right ear you have a ear the sticking ear the in ear. Right. And then where's the what what are happening to the dangling parts of the headphones? It is
0: kinda- it, it is right now pressed against the back of my head behind okay. behind my ear, behind my right ear. Got uh, it. Behind so my still, right ear. Yes.
1: Still kind of yes. attached. Yeah, oh but- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not on the ear. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and, so And I, this I can- isn't and this and having me going through one one ear and having you go through it's not disconcerting it's not no. throwing you off
0: no you know and, and, and keith that the, you know i i come from a uh from a djing background right we're a scratch dj type of background <laughs> so i'm very used to this kind of ultra cool ultra hip one headphone needed type of thing so oh th- speaking of dj
1: i didn't mean to I don't mean to uh, change the topic, but well, you might you, as well because it's so boring. Right,
0: now. I'm even bored talking about it. But since go you, on.
1: Since you jumped from Hong Kong to headphones, yes, I'm going to jump from DJ, okay, to Paris Hilton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: I don't know if you knew this, okay, but do you real do you know that Paris Hilton is like the top paid DJ in the world,
0: uh, and and for that is the exact reason why I'm out of the business. Because the, the world is coming to an end. When when that is the case, I I, I just want to shoot myself. It, 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 when I hear stuff like that, I just go crazy. So you knew it. Oh yeah, of course. All these idiots. Oh you know. Oh we can you know I can I can press the button and, and you know and, you don't know nothing. <laughs> holy
1: mackerel okay all right i've but actually have you i've never seen her actually do it
0: of course not (laughs) i mean is she have you seen her no i wouldn't uh, she's got to be good no she's i I guarantee you no (laughs) i guarantee you no i guarantee that there's somebody who's who's uh or you pre-done her set oh really it's 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 probably on cd somewhere and they just Put her up there and and let her wave her arms around, you know, flopping around like a fish out of water. So it's kinda of like air guitar. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, or, or lip syncing like, oh like vanilla God. ice. Oh herb. my gosh. Yeah. I mean there are just you know, there are just all these people. Oh my gosh. I think it, we
1: need to do some I think we need to send this to the, the tech move um, investigative labs. <laughs> see if this is really the case. And in fact, maybe we can actually get Paris Hilton to be on our show y- to y- talk about her DJing skills. And y- she can debate with you on techniques.
0: You know, and and I, and and I will continue to to wave the the flag for hip hop DJs who still use vinyl because that's what that's the school that I come from. Okay, mm-hmm. I go way back mm-hmm. using real vinyl, mm-hmm. not one of these softies. Using, using ipods C's or whatever. ipods or whatever they're using mm-hmm. you know uh i'm old school like that <laughs> all right so uh look everyone can talk about serato and you know and all of the which are great they're fantastic but uh, and i know you don't know anything that i'm talking about right what is serato serato is a fantastic uh, uh vinyl emulation uh, uh piece of equipment where you can uh run uh, digital files. Oh yeah. And uh, it's got the,
1: it's got the little scratchy things. Well, it's, like it, it's record. a vinyl
0: record that is time coded with mm-hmm. a, with a, with a certain frequency oh, okay. and, it, and it can read, uh, it interacts with a, with a breakout box oh, okay. so that uh, you can manipulate MP3 files or any kind of other digital file. A, and it allows record. you to go back and forth just oh, yeah. like a record would and, oh it's fantastic it, wow that's it, actually pretty innovative it, it is super innovative it is wow. really 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 great it changed, the, it, it, it changed the way DJs work in the sense of like you don't have to carry around you know 9 million pounds of records like I used to do so
1: wow so do you still do you do you use that
0: no, because I'm out of it. So I don't, no. I don't want to waste the money. I'd rather waste my money on things like GH1 and hacking <laughs> and, and, and doing uh, Mr. Lee Steadicams. <laughs> so I don't... I don't. <laughs> well, I think, we've, I think we've gotten to the end of our intro. I, 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 I do gonna- too. So l- let's do this. We've got a lot more to talk about because I do want to talk about, Keith, uh, a little bit more stuff about NAB. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's take a quick break. And we will come back with more, and let's touch more, and get back to really what Tech Move is about. I mean, how do how do we do this? We're get, we're getting on to Paris Hilton. We're getting on to DJing. Is this Tech Move or you know what? Or is this Variety or TMZ? What is this? Holy mackerel! Okay, look, let's let's regain our composure. Uh, let me pull these in ears out of my head so I, the the world stops spinning. And uh, we will come back with more actual digital filmmaking type of subject matter, okay? We'll come right back. This is Tech Move. We'll be right back. You know, Keith, I I really can't get enough of NAB 2015. Um, I know you've you've talked about it at nauseum. Uh, you know, I I only live vicariously through you. So let me l- let's go back and review a couple of things. Actually, not review, but let's touch on some things that you didn't. Get to see it Get, because I, 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 you know, there's so much at these trade shows at, at any of these conventions and stuff like that, especially in a place like Vegas, right? They're going to have just mountains of stuff to see. You cannot possibly hit everything, uh, even if you are there for every single bit of the show. There's no way you can hit everything that there is. Is there some things that you missed that you, uh, that looking back now or you've read about that maybe would have been cool to see? Yeah. You know, there's just so much stuff at the show that
1: I really f- – I kind of focused on stuff I already had.
0: Well, but it makes that, sense, right? Because it's yeah. stuff that you're actively thinking about maybe – purchasing or 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 getting into or whatever it is
1: yeah e- either stuff that i have and just seeing if there's updates to it or things that i've purchased And so i just really focused on that and the thing was i just wasn't there enough days to 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 find out all the really cool stuff but but i did uh just in doing research post show uh you know like just go to all these different blogs and websites and forums and things and people are talking about certain things of what they're excited about and i and then i investigate it and so i wanted to talk about several of those things that i missed but i think that were some of the ex- most exciting announcements of the nab 2015
0: uh, outside of the things you already investigated right
1: yeah pretty much i mean i might have glanced at them walking by but i didn't didn't i didn't go to go to the booth or or really play with these
0: things at all right and uh what do you think what, where do you want to start you want to start with the one that uh th- that you wish you would have seen now or or something that's maybe a little smaller than that or Well I'll just I'll just go in my in order of my list Oh okay good yeah, good. You've so, got to let. At least you're
1: prepared. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. So, so my list, uh, not in any particular order. Um, so one of the things. So DJ, I mentioned um, in the NAB in episode that I interviewed and uh, the the Michael Perry of DJI about uh, the
0: new um, DJI Phantom Three. Right. Great. And, great thing. I, I I was watching those videos. Uh, yeah. Af, after our recorded segment, and it really yeah. looks great. Although. Hey, this this is aside from what you're going to talk about. That whole ma- that whole lava thing, you know that <laughs> that fly over the lava and the volcano and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, if it were me, sorry, I'm not doing that. You know, <laughs> my my luck, it'll just melt away and and, every, and everything goes to heck in a handbasket. So anyway, yeah. hey, that's neither here nor there. Tell me what. <laughs> so okay, so what, Michael Perry, well, and well, yeah. This is not about
1: DJI and Michael right. Perry. This is actually about another company. They're competitors uh, of DJI How called... How dare you bring that up. <laughs> um, and I'm sure they would have talked to me gladly and, and, and been really nice if I'd gone there, but I didn't. I just I looked at their booth, and I just kind of went by, and it just looked like this strange... Snob. You, know, you snob. <laughs> just another quadcopter. Cause <laughs> really, because it it seemed like at Neb there are like 20 different brands of
0: quadcopters. Right. You know, Little like, did you know that the Mattel brand was uh, <laughs> was just around the corner from where you were. They
1: yeah, have their, there
0: a, they have their Mickey Mouse logoed <laughs> quadcopter. <laughs> exactly. So, but and um, pro-
1: upon reading it later, um, the one that I that I passed over that I think is it's a very interesting concept. So it's called the 3D Robotics, and it's called the 3DR Solo. Like the way that sounds. Yeah, and actually. Um, I could probably just send you to their page so you can kind of. Uh, I'm I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So their website's okay. Um, it has. I mean, their video is not the most impressive in my opinion. I see a lot of rolling shutter and other stuff in the video, but, <laughs> but, but the idea of the of the quadcopter is is cool. So the whole thing about the quadcopter is you've got to be right now with the DJI, DJI stuff. You've got to be the operator of the quadcopter, and then you and then you have to have another operator for the camera kind of oh, or, yeah. you to, or you have or oh, you have to yeah. plan yeah you have to plan your shot kind of in advance like okay i'm going to i'm going to have it aiming through here and i'm going to fly through here and then maybe if i want to i can rotate the quadcopter around and get the shot and and all this stuff is happening and and you know most of us people that are cinematographers or 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 whatever directors we don't we're not necessarily quadcopter experts right you know we're not we're not r c helicopter enthusiasts that's a whole other like talent and you, and, you didn't go to the air force <laughs> i didn't i didn't graduate and, and get my pilots license right. so and there's a lot of but there's a lot of geeks out there that are you know there's some people really all the gamers all the gamers
0: would love to do this
1: <laughs> yeah, and actually when i I have done some stuff on r c uh, copters before like a long time ago back when they were first um, and actually when I they were actually it, called helicopters. They weren't even quadcopters; they were helicopters. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they they didn't have that concept back then. <laughs> right. they, yeah, they just strapped you into the landing gear and you're, you're no. They had these gigantic. Gear. I mean, these things were large. They were like four, maybe four, three to four foot propellers, and the things were large. And then you could strap if if you got the right parts, you could strap a small camcorder to the bottom. And back then, the highest quality camcorders you could put down there were still pretty big. Um, they didn't, you know, phantoms didn't really, I mean, um, GoPros didn't really exist
0: at least to the quality we needed. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it's probably, uh, what, like, uh, o- almost like, uh, eight millimeter tape or something like that at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big old VHS
1: <laughs> camera. <laughs> no, actually my first, my first RC helicopter experience was in 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I had, a. I had a, uh, one of the Pan- first Panasonic's uh, AVC HD, HD camcorders. Um, I think it was called the S- SD-1 or something like that. Very Pretty small, actually. Pretty small and light, but still way bigger than a GoPro. And I, and I found a guy. I actually went to a place where they were fi- flying RC helicopters and just watched them for a while. And then I started talking to them because I had this idea that I wanted to do some aerial photography. I'd already, already done stuff hanging out of actual helicopters, but yeah. I thought it'd be kind of cool to get an RC helicopter as well yeah. to get different points of view. Sure. Uh, and it, this was still kind of early in the, in the doing it with camcorders. You know, m- most people just got in real helicopters at that time to do the shots. Right. And used real big camcorders. Um, so I found a person uh, who was pretty interested in helping me. And so together we kind of devised these little rigs to strap underneath the the uh helicopter you know this and and even at that point the, it wasn't even though it was this gigantic helicopter it was still straining to carry this to carry this weight because <laughs> i had to put a pretty big wide angle adapt adapter lens on it and those uh-huh. are big and big heavy glass right and I, as i found out later he was just totally scared that his plane was gonna or his <laughs> helicopter was gonna fall out of the sky and
0: or he, crash <laughs> or burn up his <laughs> engine and yeah
1: yeah he was just he, he told me later that he was really pushing it at the time <laughs> So, anyway. I can
0: imagine you on the ground going, keep going, keep going, let's do it. <laughs> get the shot, get the, the shot. The engine's going, ah! <laughs> Yeah,
1: and, and also at that time, you know, the, it's a large helicopter, it's big motors, needs a big battery, batteries don't last very long, so the flight's only lasted maybe 10, 10 minutes or less. And the batteries, those big batteries, they can kind of be explosive, the big lithium <laughs> ion batteries. So, they have, so when you charge them, I don't know if you know this, but when you charge these batteries, even the ones for the smaller ones now, you have you should put them into a like ammunition ca- a case. Oh, is that right? Metal-lined hard, hard metal box, <laughs> in case they explode while you're charging them. Oh, but anyway, oh, nice. Yeah, I actually went to a, a surplus store and got a got an ammunition case just for that. <laughs> an old surplus ammo box. And people come over to my house and see this, and they think I'm some kind of. Right. You know, <laughs> military nut. But <laughs> <Right>. uh <laughs> anyway, fa- fast forward to now and and so I, I hi- hired this guy and he was flying it and he was great a great flyer and all I had to do was tell him what to do. And then I he he, could, he had the dexterity and the skill to do this do this flying. I would never touch his controls. I'd probably crash his plane in less than a second. Right. But um <laughs> but now with these new, you know, things like the DJI Phantoms, you know, amateurs can kind of Kind of do okay, right? But it's still not like hiring a pro. It's still not and and so what this company 3D Robotics did was they d- they decided to make these programmable, like flight plans, that you could kind of program into the into their I- iOS app, and say I want to start here, I want to end here, I want the camera to I want the the plane or the helicopter to turn around here and face this way, and so you have all these different key points. That you just map out beforehand, and then you just press go, and then the helicopter just flies and does it all. Oh, and you that's don't have to, neat. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And so you don't really have to worry. You could probably take over if you wanted to, but you don't have to worry about being so precise and everything. It's kind of like having a motorized slider versus a handheld slider where you're pushing it. Right. You have to be very, very steady, and you yeah. can screw up really, really easily. Yeah but when you have the motorized one that you can like the my second shooter you can program different key points and just have it go to a certain speed and then kind of turn and do things and it's all it's all computerized so it can do it very very smoothly and very perfectly so it's kind of i think that's kind of the concept here it's almost like the second slider a second shooter but but on a quadcopter
0: it almost has a little autopilot on it
1: yeah it does it's got a program and it's it's all got GPS and things like that so it kind of it knows where it is it's, it has I mean, even the DGIs have this ability. So what I think is going to happen is DGIs has probably seen this, and they're mm. probably going to p- create some software that does the same thing. That's mm. what I'm thinking. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they have the technology in their in, in the plane, in that quadcopter already to actually do this stuff. It's just the software now. It's like mm. tel- the software that tells, tells the, 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 the helicopter to automatically face this way after a certain period of time and then go this direction and then wind up in this point. So no that's that's the theory behind the the 3D robotics. Now are they actually going to do it? Is it actually going to work without crashing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's another question. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great idea. And so that's one thing that I think is pretty cool.
0: And it, as as you're speaking, I'm watching the video and uh-huh. it, it looks neat. Is is that just a iPhone that they're clamping onto the um uh w- what looks to be their monitor deck that that's on the controller?
1: Yeah, I think it's an iPhone that's used to monitor it, which is kind of neat,
0: right? Which yeah, which, which is neat. So you you know you you do get to monitor what you're where you're going. So it's uh, in that way, it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it is pretty cool. So, yeah. so so we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how it actually works. I I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of latency with the using the iPhone as a monitor. Yeah, but uh, maybe not. Maybe their app gets rid of that, or does it some other way. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to transmit the the signal, right? You know, if it's through Wi-Fi or some other technology, but right. probably through Wi-Fi. And if it's through, through Wi-Fi, there might be a bit of latency, but we'll see.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, like when I do my when I uh, the GoPro also has an iPhone app that goes through the monitor, and the, there's a lot of latency. So you okay. can kind of see, like you can put it up in a place and and see it, but you can't really monitor it real time. It's what like, what is a lot of latency?
0: It's like Couple seconds. That long? Wow! Yeah, it's a lot. That that is a lot. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> maybe a little less. Maybe a second. But so still. by the time it transmits, you've already crashed the copter already, and it, and you're yeah. still getting a, a nice video. You know? Yeah. It's a replay it's of your crash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, but it's but you know what I like about technologies like this and and companies that that try to is they inspire all the other. Companies to do the same thing, and then there's this competition war about who can do it better, and and then the c- consumer wins out. Right. So so there's there there's some pretty cool things about this one. The things that I probably don't like is it doesn't look like there's a way to attach propeller guards to this thing. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, it's going to be a little dangerous. It'll it'll kill people. Well, like like on my DJI Phantom and and the new the newer Phantoms, there's these propeller guards you can add. So in case they do hit something, they're not going to get they're not going to slice people, right? right. So or, or
0: break know. or 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 really break,
1: yeah. The propellers breaking yeah. off or things like that. They're pretty inexpensive, but still, yeah, something. Anyway, so that's this is one of the things that I
0: wish I had seen, but I didn't. No. Well, like you said, too many out there, tough to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it looks it looks good. It looks neat. I mean, you know, hey, in competition, always brings out the best out of you know, out of the leaders, right? It right. forces them to be a little bit more innovative. And so we'll see what happens with um, DJI and, and all the other competitors and what they have to come up with.
1: Right. So um, so another thing that I saw, and I briefly saw it during uh, Jim Schofield's presentation that I saw um, when he was just doing, um, he did some seminar about how to light interviews, but I only saw about half of it. Okay. But he just brought up the... Brought out these flexible um, LED lights. And when I first heard, I heard about these about a year ago because they were actually announced by another company. But then, um, Westcott, which is a pretty large manufacturer of lighting, Mm -hmm. they, I think they're branding them under their brand or maybe they're manufacturing them separately. I'm not sure about it. But I think they've somehow gotten acquired the intellectual property or maybe they're just buying them from the same place. Um, But they're called the Westcott Flex. And uh, if we go to the the Westcott site,
0: I'm looking at it right now. I think the yeah. uh, if my eyes are good, I think it's uh, what is it? FJWestcott.com, W-E-S-T-C-O-T-T dot com, and the product is called the Westcott Flex, right? And uh, I I guess they have they have plenty. They have a, a Flex daylight panel. They have a Flex tungsten panel. All kinds of stuff.
1: Right, right. So the daylight and versus tungsten is just the color temperature of the, right. the panel. But, right. um yeah, when I first saw these uh, branded differently about a year ago, I wasn't that... I know I thought it was kind of a gimmick, but after looking at, not necessarily the one-foot panels, which I think they have now and they're selling now, but they have uh, two two-foot by two-foot two panels and they have three-foot by one-foot ba- panels. Hmm. And... And the, and and also the fact that I found out that they're quite bright and the light quality is really good, and and the fact that you can just um, they're very very portable, so you can essentially just roll them up into like a tube, right? Kind of like a
0: toilet paper tube. Well, it, it 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 it, lo- it looks like a like a thick blanket. Yeah, exactly. It's and just it's, a thick blanket. That's yeah, all it's with, basically with like fa- Yeah,
1: it's basically like fabric with these square LEDs pasted all over yeah, the front. Right. And so you can roll them up and. And, I mean, some people said, yeah, you can roll them into, like, a circle and make them, put them inside of a china ball to light up the china ball. That's one possible application. But I just think that their portability quality is is really good. And, and, and they're actually maybe even thinner than you can see on the website because the edge is just, um, is actually Velcro. So you can attach them to things. So so you can take one of these things, one of these panels. Say you have a 2 by 2 panel, which is pretty big for an LED light but it's light it probably weighs you know a third of a pound or less and then they sell these um these rigs to attach them to frames that are also you know pretty small and collapsible and light so you can make a 2x2 two two panel out of something that'll fit into easily into a carry on you could probably carry four of these into one carry on bag
0: right unlike right now if you were to carry a 2x2 two two light i mean that's a you, huge flight case you're you're carrying now. Right? Exactly, with, exactly. With, with with tripods and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you still have to bring
0: the light stands to elevate right, them. But you probably. could even, yeah, but you but could, you could probably improvise and find something. I mean, these things look so portable and light that you know, if you get close to a wall, you could probably use thumbtacks and just hang this thing off the wall or something. Oh yeah, you could tape them with gaffer's tape. Yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and so
1: so these look. They have a lot of different applications. Like you'd see one of the applications where it's inside of a car and they're put up on the visors.
0: Yes. Oh, that does look good for, for nighttime driving yeah. shots and stuff like that.
1: Any type of extra sh- uh, light where you just need something flexible to put into a certain place. Um, there are th- And the fact that they can get really big. So those one-by-threes will be great for, for interviews. You know, like put one to each side of the person, right. one a little bit brighter. And also for just documentarians or people that are on the road or traveling, just a very, very portable and yet very bright solution.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I think it looks really, really good. This. Uh, uh, how about uh, how about the light itself? Did you see a demonstration of it at all? I, was, I, was, yeah. You know, was it? Is it a nice controller? Nice dimming features, all this kind of thing, or what? Yeah, it comes with kind of a kind of a dimming brick,
1: so that so you have to attach these wires to the light to the to this blanket. Kind of at the back, there's little snap things that you snap in. Right. And I didn't really see this up close. I just have seen the pictures of it on the website, and I and but I did see a gem actually demonstrate it from far away, and he had a two by two, and he turned it up, and it was like lighting up the whole room. It was very very bright. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. And, and I hear that the quality of the light, the CRI and the other, the spectral quality is actually really good. Hmm. So it's like earlier LEDs, like have some, like one of the, some of the first LEDs that. Less expensive LEDs that came out, not light panels, but another one called Cool Lights, and they're they're okay, but you can tell they're spectrally they're not that pure right. because just LED those type of LEDs didn't exist back then. Nowadays, now in the last year, you're starting to get less expensive manufacture of LEDs that can put out very nice light. So
0: this is more this accurate is light, more yes. more true, and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. Things that don't require a lot of extra color correction at the end and just make, make people's faces look good, make things more realistic.
0: Yeah, like you know, like my little portable LED light, great and all, but you know, really just shines really bright in somebody's face. Yeah. Right. And so it's tough to control and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's tough to control. So and it's a point source and yes, creates correct. strange
0: shadows. So That's correct. Yeah. So yes. this one, this so nice. these,
1: with the frames that they sell, so you have, imagine this frame that you can put around the edge of this. And then on the front of the frame, they also sell the silk, this diffusion silk. So you can create like a one by one by three, two by two uh, light source with, that's totally diffused.
0: Yeah. Heck, yeah. I would imagine you could even make one yourself yes mean, I could not uh, not to interfere <laughs> with the Westcott folks we're not impl- implying that but uh, actually I think you can buy this buy strips of this stuff
1: mm. if, if you did want to do a DIY yeah. you know I, I think probably some people have done it I think I've seen some stuff on YouTube I'd probably just wind up buying it yeah yeah, but yeah so I probably these aren't out yet they're really the smaller ones are out but they're really big ones the 2x2s two the 1x3s they're not out yet but I think they're going to be out in a couple months and it's probably I'm probably going to buy at least a couple of big ones.
0: And, and and that's the one you're really more more interested in are, are these big ones, just so you don't have to carry around the big lights anymore. I think so. I think I would
1: rather carry. I might get one small one, but I think I'll carry a couple big ones because that's what I'll use for interviews and nice yeah. beauty lighting. You know, sure, sure, um, sure, because if if not, then I'd have to put the small one with a big diffuser, um, like a softbox. So what's the point? Yeah, you know, might not, might not, might as well just get the big one and just have a simple setup. You know, there's still issues like it doesn't really have barn it, barn doors, so you have to set up your own flags on the side if if you want to control the light from the side from from spilling out too, right. t- too much. That's right. not really that's one kind of drawback to it because I don't see any barn door things, so you have to set up
0: your own fabric flags
1: and things
0: like that. Right, G- o- almost in some ways, uh, uh, pieced together. Some of your own stuff, if you if you yeah. need to, just to directional, it, yeah, it directional, and all this kind of thing.
1: I think they offer. I saw Gem demonstrating some some flags and things that they were offering as well. So, so I think they know this is an issue, and and you know these are things that are used more on the flags and things are used more on sets, but uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna I'm considering getting these as soon as they come out because I think it's going to just make my load a lot lighter. Any price point on this they're not cheap. I mean, I think the big ones are like a thousand dollars the two by twos yeah but that's not bad, you know, yeah. considering it puts out a lot of light um I mean, I originally bought my one by ones and they were super cheap ones back in two thousand and eight i think i I spent like five hundred dollars each, and these were just one by ones of kind of poor quality and not very bright, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you have two by twos they're essentially four times as big right because it's like four one by ones in a square
0: and and also they're probably three times as bright plus the light quality is better Uh, so it's i would be just slightly concerned with uh you know constantly rolling them up and breaking something within the fabric you know i guess i guess that's a possibility and i guess time will tell about the reliability there. Right. It's, it's door, it's durability and so on and so forth and, and stuff like, you know, how many times can you roll that thing up and stuff it into a, you know, poster, uh container or something. I've
1: heard from people that have the other, the ones that are essentially the same manufacturer, but different brand from a while ago that they've been using them on the road for, and rolling them up and sticking them in their pockets and, oh, that's good and they're, and they're fine. So hopefully it's the same level of qual- quality for the newer ones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah. I I am sure they've Q-dated QA did and stuff like that and see we'll, we'll see what happens. Guess we'll that. see. Hopefully they have a warranty.
1: <laughs> Cannot roll. Cannot must ma- must remain flat or the warranty is
0: void. <laughs> well, I'm looking at your room. list. I'm looking at your list yeah. and and I've already gone ahead because I'm very <laughs> interested in this. Actually, this looks very very cool. May I introduce it to you? It's yes, the black magic video assist mm-hmm. and it's a high res large monitor for what they call perfect focus and framing <laughs> now this thing looks pretty nifty it's pretty it, nifty i, it's I think it, lo- cheap. it it it, it, looks, it looks pretty darn neat uh i i think it's exactly what it what it is it it you know rather than looking at your uh uh your screen on your on your uh d s l. r you have this little breakout unit, is that correct? Um it's
1: it's basically a monitor. It's a small monitor. Yeah. But here's but here's the thing. It's a small monitor that records HD
0: video. So you mean this monitor? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Well looky there. It has a it has a SD card slot on the side of it. So you're right. so you're right. It's it's recording as well. Correct. Oh, yeah. It's it's
1: their newest thing. They I don't know. I don't think it's out yet. I think it's gonna be out soon. Like most of the stuff that's in NAB, I don't think it's quite out yet. They just like but, teasing us, and then and then they'll never put it out. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. It's it's four ninety five. It's an HD resolution monitor. I I don't know exactly what the resolution is, but I think it's I think it's pretty close to HD. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's. 1080, yeah, I think it's 1920 by 1080, which is a pretty high resolution for a five-inch monitor. It's not that big. It records via HDMI. It records 422 HD video, so it's basically a lot like a lot like those Atomus uh, recorders as well, that are also pretty inexpensive. But this is also also does SDI in and out as well as HDI in and out, is it does 1920 by 1080, which is really high res. Right. And it does uh, ProRes and 10, 10-bit color recording. And it's only $500. And it records on SD cards.
0: Yeah. So this is crazy. The, I mean, the, the, this <laughs> this looks, and the, the, the length of time that it can record on an SD card. Yeah. So it's yeah. like three hours of 1080 ProRes on a single 256 uh, gigabyte card. Yeah. So if you wanted to have an
1: HD recorder, why wouldn't you get this thing? Oh, yeah. Why would you Why would you get anything else? I mean, it's got a little screen, really nice screen for a monitor. It's got um, SD cards, so you don't have to spend a lot of money on SD cards. It's, you don't have to buy,
0: like, CFast cards or... Right, Something, some S- new technology because yeah. everyone's got a ton of SD cards yeah. lying around.
1: Right, it looks like it uses L6... These are these E six batteries, which are the standard Canon batteries. Uses a couple of them on the back. Yeah. So everybody's got those. Yep. It's got headphone out. Which (laughs) what monitor has headphone out? Yeah. Um, it's got uh, twelve volt power in. If you want to power it externally, HDMI in and out. I mean, it looks pretty cool. It looks like it could be like it's really inexpensive. Like I think I'm I might actually just get. So I have a Ninja uh, Ninja Star right now. Mm-hmm. which is kind of like this except it uses um, CFast 1 cards and it doesn't have a monitor but it's this thing is not that much bigger than the Ninja Star that I have plus I can record on SD cards uh, plus I have a monitor in case I need it if I don't want the monitor I just put it to the side right. You know, just kind of flip it in Right. so anyway I, I, I see this as a super hot seller and I see this as something that's going to drive the market a lot like drive drive the prices down a lot they always seem to do that with their stuff so
0: this is good. This, I mean, this uh,
1: this looks like a winner right here. Yeah, you know, we'll see. I mean, when it actually comes out, we'll see if the. It looks like it might have a fan in it. I'm not sure. We'll mm. see how noisy it is. We'll see how good the screen actually is. They can they can advertise all this stuff how great it is, but but until you actually see it, and you know, but just as a recorder, the fact that it can record and as a monitor, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's, and really for 500 bucks. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, is even worth just the try? Yeah, just to try. Yeah, you know, I mean, in the past, just
1: getting a monitor of this quality for five hundred was a steal, and, and the, plus a recorder. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not bad. Not yeah. bad. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I so like it. That was my. Yeah, that was my other
0: thing that I'm. Uh, might I, be I, good. I I like it very much. I think. Uh, I I won't consider it at all, but it looks great. <laughs> 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 Sorry to say, but uh, no, that's you know. okay. Yeah. Uh, you but, you might
1: want to eventually. You know,
0: eventually get a little monitor, but it does look neat. I mean, y- you know, uh, I like it. I like, yeah, it. I like it. You know. Uh, okay, what's this next thing that that uh, that you that you're hot
1: on? Okay, so there's a company called Sound Devices, okay. uh, which is odd because they make a lot of really high end video stuff, but their <laughs> <laughs> but their company I think originally made, made audio stuff, and they still do make really good audio recorders and things like that but um, they started they came out with a video recorder a while back kind of similar to this Blackmagic recorder here Okay. but they recently at NAB they they intro- introduced um, a new product called the Pixie um, Pixie recorder 4K recorder now the thing that's different from this recorder than the other 4K recorders that are out there is the fact that it's just really small so they have a five-inch version. So basically they have a four K recorder that's
0: that's as small as this this uh, Blackmagic video assist thing. You know the Black the Blackmagic assist. You know, for 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 the uh, folks listening out there, uh, it really didn't look that much bigger than the entire back of a standard DSLR. Right, exactly, and
1: the same. It's the same true. Same is true for this uh, for this Pixie. Yeah, the Pixie. Pixie Pixie. I think it's called Pixie. Well,
0: I'm, to I, I, I'm on the Sound Devices website and I don't know what what, what where it is on.
1: Well, here. click on the click on the link that says Video Devices. I, th- I think I think they have a name problem actually
0: because they they oh, changed Pixie their E7.
1: Yeah, there's an E7 and there's an E5. I'm I'm kind of interested in more in the E5 than the E7 because I already have. A couple of really good 4K recorders, the Odysseys, uh-huh, but right. I but I even told the Odyssey people I said you know you could come out with a smaller one for people that don't need to have that huge monitor. Yeah. So um, yeah, look, if you
0: look at the let's look at the Pixie. I'm there right now. I'm okay. So there's they have a Pixie five H. They have a Pixie five and a Pixie seven. Right. So uh of course it's all dependent upon screen size.
1: Yep, yeah. The 7, yeah, the 7 is the biggest one. I probably I personally wouldn't consider the 7 just cuz I have the Odyssey which is maybe slightly bigger than this. Okay. But the thing the thing that I might consider cuz it's just smaller is the Pixie 5. Mm-hmm. So the Pixie 5 is a, essentially a 4K recorder with SDI and HDMI inputs. I mean, there's nothing and it and it's got a monitor, pretty nice monitor. Yeah. It so it's good. Yeah, and it's not too expensive. I think they're like fourteen for for that particular model around there. So a little bit less, exp- kind of around the Shogun, a little bit less than the Shogun range. But um, again, these aren't out yet. I don't think. But well, these,
0: these guys are not out yet. It it doesn't look like it. I'm not seeing. Yeah. I'm not I, seeing where you can get it.
1: Yeah, I've 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 put my 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 um, request into B and H to notify me when these come out. You know, mm. you can go to B and H Photo and sure, right? Yeah, right. so um, yeah, but it's intriguing, you know, because I would like to, for example, record 4K from my GH4 and ProRes or f- from my A7S, uh-huh. but have a little bit smaller, you know, not not have such a j- a large recorder such as the Odyssey. The Odyssey isn't huge, right? But,
0: it's, but this is just so much smaller. It's a bit smaller. It's yeah. probably half the size. Yes. Yeah. So wait, wait, Which can matter quite a bit, especially on something like a GH4, right? You, exactly. You, you're, you're, you're there. It's small already. Yeah. Let's keep it that way.
1: Yeah. Let's keep it a little bit more compact. So we'll see. So that was another thing that I thought was pretty cool that didn't get a chance to, to see, but I think. It's something I might consider getting.
0: Do you know if they had it there? Well, I mean, were all these products there and on display and used and being used and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, all all of these products were there. I actually went by these the booths and, and saw saw them. I just didn't have a chance to like go in really, really right. Sit down and investigate them. Just right, too
0: much to do. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I think it looks it looks really great. And you know, I, I know why you like the Pixie Five is because on the um, uh, on the brochure they're they're using your C one hundred right, right there. <laughs> and so it makes it say that's how mine could look. <laughs> <So. laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. Now, uh, just to move on, I'm. Uh, kind of shocked here about seeing a new camcorder that you are actually very interested in.
1: Well, it's not that I'm very interested in it. It's just that I missed it because I think it's a pretty big announcement for Panasonic in a way because it's it's kind of successor to their DVX100, which I actually had a couple of them back in the day. Mhm. Um DVX100 just for the people that don't know. This was back in the day of of tapes and uh right and it was just it was a mini dv um mini dv recorder that could do 24p which was the first time that really that could be done on a on a small tape camcorder wasn't that the
0: wasn't the big thing back then too the ccd uh, uh sensors and stuff like that
1: um Well, most of them had CCDs back then. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had an okay image for the price. It was just the form factor and the fact that it did 24P, so you could kind of get this film look. I mean, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't that great film look, but it was closer than the 60i camcorders that were available up till then. Right. Um, Because you just had this progressive format. And what was kind of funny is that. DV wasn't really meant to play 24p, so you had to do all this weird stuff to get it into your computer and turn it into 24p. It actually encoded the 24p s- signal onto the 60i signal onto the tape, because DV tapes weren't couldn't take progressive format. Right. And then when you when you loaded it into your computer, then you had to tell your computer to reinterpret the frames, like like these two frames should were just one frame, and then this one frame was separate, and then skip this frame, and then it turned it into 24p. So it was kind of a <laughs> it was kind of a sounds really labor intensive it was it was quite a workflow to get it to work but it did, it did work okay anyway that sold like hotcakes um probably every single documentarian bought one of those in their lives that was around back then but um but anyway it looks like uh Panasonic has kind of a similar uh 4K version of that it's called the DV it's called the uh DVX200 so the previous one was the DVX100 and this one's the DVX200 and it's 4K it uses a Micro Four Thirds uh, sensor, same as the GH4, and it has a built-in lens, so you can't—you know—you can't change the lens. It's not not a DSLR kind of thing. It's just a camcorder, but the lens is okay. It's 2.8 two to 4.5 with a 28 to 365 millimeter, which is pretty good zoom. So, um, not that I personally would. I don't think I'd ever get this camcorder. <laughs> ever. You don't think so? No, I don't think I'd ever
0: get it. It's too big. It's really big. I yeah. mean it, it I mean it looks really powerful, but big. It's it's kind of big for
1: what it does. That's that's my impression. There are you can get a four K you can get way bigger four K camcorders than this. Um it's not this it's not the smallest one out there. You know, like if I were to
0: go through all this trouble. I think I might just get a GH4 and rig it out. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That. Yeah. That. I mean, that's what. That's what I would think. I mean, I would think that the GH4 would probably be maybe a touch more versatile than than something like this.
1: Yeah. But this one is for those people that are just on the go and don't don't feel like right messing with stuff. Right. It, it,
0: it, this is just your your big machine, and you just go and and do yeah. it rather than and
1: fiddling you, around with stuff. Exactly. And you have 4K, so you got really good resolution. Now, the thing that's not the greatest is, you know, it's the four-thirds so you don't get the super shallow depth of field. Right. But then at the or same time... Li-
0: or low light, let's uh, always yeah. uh, remember that.
1: Probably not quite as low light. Um, and not not too much latitude, 12 stops of latitude, which is a little lower than some. But uh, but you do get the advantage of um, the zoom and the focus and, you know, built in the built-in... There's kind of a there's a pro and con of having a lens that's that's built in because they can make it really really specific to the sensor and make it pretty versatile. But on the on the on the reverse side, you know, you don't you can't change it. Right. You're you're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But it's not you know five thousand dollars also maybe is that a good deal? Well, for the lens and everything maybe. But we'll see we'll see how they sell.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, your rig right now, you know, when when you when you got the GH4 with the new um Panasonic Prime lenses that are out there the 2.8s that are out there. Yeah. That's that seems like pretty much the best thing that at least Panasonic could probably put out. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean that the, that 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 seems like the, the 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 best thing they've got going. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But you know, I have yet to read the reports on it and see how how great it really is. I personally probably wouldn't get it, yeah. Just because I I already, I, I guess if I just wanted if I had a DVX 100 and I loved it and I just wanted the 4K version of it, then I might get it. But you know, this is a little bit this is quite a big bit bigger sensor than the DVX 100. I think the DVX 100 is only a quarter inch sensor. Yeah. So this is you know four five times as big. But still, we'll see. We'll right. see. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's but it's one of the things I missed. So when I was bypassing all that stuff, I told you about when I went to the GH four booth. This is one of the things I
0: went you, past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, everything is at least trying to be smaller in some way, and right. I, I I just it, it's it's weird that somebody would put out something as frankly as monstrous as this. <laughs> really, I mean this this is like you know broadcast type of camera size you know like you know you're 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 seeing the local you know reporter out on the street and and you know this is the camera you pull out so yeah um anyway okay uh well hey good luck to panasonic i love panasonic so hopefully uh you know hopefully it does well uh what else we got i think we got uh what else you got there i think that's it for now that's it
1: yeah, that's it for now.
0: Well, that, that that's a lot of stuff that uh-huh. that um that you didn't get to see. I'm I'm interested to see how things develop uh, with what you've with what you've mentioned thus far. Yeah, and, we'll uh, see if I get get some
1: of these items. I'm I'm very yeah. very much interested in the Westcott out of all these things. That's probably the thing that I'll. It's almost like ninety percent positive that I'm going to get those. Right.
0: Um, I, I think that 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 looks very promising
1: yeah the other stuff's kind of optional because i have versions of those things right uh the copter, we'll see
0: well you know? uh and uh, 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 how about the black magic thing that thing's pretty good it's pretty cool it's yeah, pretty cool i might i might get it um to replace my ninja and for 500 bucks why not can't beat that with a stick all right yep, yep. good all right, I will try, Keith, to get away from the NAB uh, show. We, please, we might, we, 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 we might have to put that to bed. Only let it cons- rest. Well, and it's only because NAB 2016 is, is uh, coming up uh, <laughs> next week. I'm lying. Uh, but it could be if you're listening to our podcast a, a, a year from now. Uh, anyway, okay, fantastic. Uh, let us take a little bit of break. Uh, let's give our engineers a little rest here in the studios, and we will come back with more great stuff right here on TechMove. Hey there, Keith. I wanted to tell you about this, uh, little talk that I had with a friend of mine, uh, a couple of days ago. He's a, uh, he's a wedding photographer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what he does is that he's, he's now getting into videography and, uh, and all this kind of thing. And he and I are always comparing notes about, uh, you know, equipment and, uh, and, and processes and all this kind of thing, uh, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, And, you know, one thing while we were talking and we both really, we kind of have a general idea, but we don't have a definitive idea. And this is where you come into play. Okay. And that is, what the heck is the difference between color correction and color grading? Well,
1: color correction is basically correcting any flaws that might exist in the color of whatever you've, whatever you've recorded. So say you, um, maybe you used the wrong white balance or maybe it was just a little bit bluer than you thought or, or whatever <clears throat> things aren't as saturated as they should be there. Are they're too? They're not saturated enough. So color correction is basically the process of getting your video into the state where it's kind of neutral or mm-hmm. it's kind of, or to, or to some type of standard. Right. Um, so it's mostly, I it kind of, Kind of like what it sounds like it's correction
0: <laughs> right
1: it's correcting correcting
0: a flaw <laughs> let, let me give you another example, and maybe that's where where color correction is uh, you and I just saw each other a uh, a couple of days ago right and uh, and uh you know I was there taking some pictures and video and all this kind of thing mm-hmm. and when I played it back uh, some people's red sweaters. Are just so red I think radiation is emitting <laughs> from 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 my screen yeah. now if I color correct that I should be able to dull that down a little bit and make it a little bit more neutral that's right that's right and uh I mean one of the ways
1: that like a lot of times on my shoots um, I don't have a lot of time to to uh, white balance so sometimes I'll just use the standard white balancing that's that's available I mean the standard you know stock stock uh, white balance settings that are on your camcorders, like daylight right. or like like indoor tungsten or there's like usually like five or six I live by that <laughs> i just I just have learned to set that um it's it's actually probably not the best way to do it if you have time. The best way to do it is to use a gray card and just f- whatever light source is is the main light source uh, overall you you focus on that and you fill up the whole screen with the gray card. It could be a white card, but you have to. If it's a white card, you have to dull it down so it's like fifty percent level. You have to close the aperture or somehow change the exposure so it's not like bright white, or the white balance won't work as well. It'll be too bright for it right. for the for the automatic white balancing ca- uh, stuff in the camera. But um, uh, but the but the, that's the best way to do it because then that's taking this kind of neutral white or gray, and it's actually putting it through the camera's electronics and. Kind of calibrating the camera to say this is actually neutral. This is a neutral color, uh, and and the reason for that is all cameras have different uh, sensitivities in different ranges. Some t- cameras are a little bit bluer, a little redder, or just whatever. They have green spikes or strange things. But when you do this this uh, manual white balancing, it kind of evens that stuff out. Uh, unfortunately, we don't always have time to do that because you actually have to have a card, you have to focus on it, you have to do the do the white balancing and also it can shift um you might have a couple different light sources in a scene of different color temperatures so if you white balance the card and you're in front of one light source and then you move to another light source it's going to be totally off right um and then it might be like too far extreme like like you you're setting for your um like I say you used a tungsten setting with your gh1 correct
0: gh13 gh13 technically <laughs> yeah in stills mode it's i think it's still a one but <laughs> right exactly i think it's actually less than a one because of all the doctoring i've done to yeah. it but whatever
1: not, not quite as reliable
0: right i Point. think my i think your iphone is probably better stills camera now but it's okay uh
1: anyway by the way i, I was i really want to commend you on your managing of that of that crowd in that oh, event
0: thank <laughs> you you, <laughs> you did thank great you. No, th- <laughs> thank you i hope you edit that out but <laughs> thanks <laughs> I, uh uh real quick before and this is another edit point that <laughs> that you should make uh but uh I Christine gave me a, a very nice critical review uh <laughs> critical. of the thing uh-huh. and she's she actually thought that I should have uh confiscated my microphone away from <laughs> whoever was using it because they weren't le- I think the only thing they were leading were the ants that were <laughs> uh that were surrounding the, the room I I might yeah been able to to lead everyone in song a little bit yeah. easier but baird has a good heart great heart fantastic heart but he's not an mc no uh, <laughs> you know you, you got to lead him along and all this kind of stuff but yeah. um it's kinda, okay hey. we're gonna
1: start singing now we're not gonna tell you what it is right what page it's on <laughs> I, and i'm book? just gonna
0: and i'm just gonna start here we go <laughs> well,
1: yeah which well, book it's on yeah it really works better when there's there's Somebody
0: that knows how to yes. do it. That's
1: but right next time,
0: ne- 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 He'll next tack- time you'll just tackle Baird and, and like duct tape. I, I, him. I will, I will stop him. I, I will lasso him well, yeah. and uh, and stop him from du- doing that. Duct tape him in the bathroom. <laughs> right with with yeah, but uh, he, no, I think he, can, that's, he. He can be my Supremes to my Diana Ross. How about that? That's that's a better thing. Maybe right. <laughs> I just need a better wig all right uh okay so uh, go go back to the to back the, to the uh, thing the, yeah. yeah you're probably using the tungsten setting which is
1: like the indoor setting but i'm not sure what what setting you eat what well oh, i have a
0: bunch you know like yeah. uh uh the, the ones that i love using are either uh well you know the tungsten uh, for, for my gh1 it's like indoor fluorescent lighting it's <laughs> shaded lighting it's yeah outdoor lighting it's you know mountainous cave lighting (laughs) so it's all-purpose right it's it's these all-purpose things which you know which is which you can see how it affects the thing and you just choose the best one like you said just kind of go on the fly get the best thing you can and then hopefully work on it afterwards
1: yeah so so if you used a tungsten setting it might have been that the the sources in there were maybe even redder than tungsten Right, like lower. I think tungsten's like thirty-two hundred K, which Mm -hmm. is just a it's just a color temperature that's you know like daylight's fifty-six hundred K on up. So it's possible that the lighting, the just the the lighting temperature in that room with the whatever lighting there was was less was was a warmer color, and that might have made the red saturate. Mm -hmm. And so that's a that's just a problem. Um, So it could have been also that your sensor, some sensors just saturate red way more than other colors. Yeah. Um and and red tends to saturate and bleed more than other colors anyway. It's just the nature of it because of the way the sensors work. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I I I really felt that the the reds were just whoa, you know, they were yeah. just like on 10 and yeah. uh and and I and I think with a little post production it could look kind of normal and stuff like that and be all right.
1: So. I think so. Yeah, I had yeah. I had similar issues with the Canon DSLRs. Oh, okay. with yeah with reds uh, sometimes it looks pretty good because it, that saturated red really gives it a pop but sometimes it's too much it's just like a red blotch over that area there's no detail
0: right yeah and yeah. And, and with mine that's how I feel mine is mine's just this like you know everything else is relatively even except for like this glowing <laughs> yeah glowing you right. know gl- glowing work shirt or something you know that yeah. people are decided to wear so yeah
1: so if if the red channel isn't blown out, like saturated to the point where there's no, no detail, it's just like a hundred percent, uh, without any great, then as long as it's below that, or you have a little headroom, uh, then you can color correct that and probably make it look a little bit more normal. And that's just, you could do that by bringing down the saturation and the red a bit. Um, and, and there's different ways to do that. You can look at the different scopes and meters and parades and vectors and all that stuff in your color correcting software. So yeah, that, but what I do a lot is I actually bought this somewhat expensive um, color grading chart. Uh, there's a couple that are made. Uh, let me see. I think I have one
0: now. Before you launch into that tirade, yeah, yeah. Uh, color grading is is what H- oh, here's yeah. what I think. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what I think color grading is. Mm-hmm. I think color grading is 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 a type of thing where okay, let's go back. Color correction like might take this incredibly red thing and just kinda of pull that back a little bit so it's a little more pleasing to the eye. I think color grading is something where like you might want to turn an entire scene to like uh uh yellow or something like that. Or you wanna do some like artsy fartsy black and white type of thing with, with with your footage. Am I kind of on the that along that baseline?
1: Yeah, I think if you were to, to make a distinction between the two Although they actually are used, sometimes color grading is used. Like people say, "I'm going to grade that later, so don't worry about it now." Um, sometimes it's used at, at, in, in place of the term color correction. But if you wanted to make a distinction, color grading is to is to put a style on on the color. is is to impose a style on the color. It may not be natural. It may be kind of greenish or orangish or whatever the director or whoever is the creative director in that area has, has decided that the mood is going to be for that, for that film.
0: Right. So like in a, like a lot of horror movies and stuff like that, you see like these, uh, kind of like, uh, uh, underground scenes. They might put a hint of like that gray or dark blue to it or something like that to make it look more ominous or something. That would be, that would be kind of the grading. Yeah, that's right. Or sometimes in a, like
1: like you want to convey something really hot and dry and dusty and bright you might put a lot of yellow into it Mm -hmm. and and Mm desaturate it like Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of the spaghetti westerns kind of look that way and that's partially because the film was just like kind of overexposed and that was the style back then but um, yeah there's just different different uh, colors and color schemes that connote different moods Um, it's also color grading has varied over time you know, some, some grades for a few years become really popular. Like, if you look at a lot of the newish, um, I don't know, like a lot of the um, Transformers and those Michael Bay films. Yes. Um, those are those have a certain color grade on it. And if you looked at the, the originals versus what they're graded to, it's really, really graded. It's really heavy grading. Your yeah. eye, Your eye kind of gets used to it, you know, when right. you're looking at it, so it doesn't seem too weird. But if you really looked at it versus reality, like it's really green and really orange. Right. And so... You know, they, but they made that stylic, stylistic decision. Like, this is how these films are going to look, and it kind of makes them distinctive. You know, it gives a certain feel to them.
0: So, I I, I, I think that that does give a uh, like a filmmaker that kind of signature look, doesn't it? I mean, like uh, like you said, Michael Bay. Uh, you know, some of those action uh, directors have a certain feel, maybe because of color.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that's actually. Yeah, it's something that I think the directors even discuss, you know, with the the colorist. Which the coloring colorist process can be right at the beginning of the film, where they kind of decide what the looks going to look like. And I think we've talked about
0: the LUT before. Yeah,
1: the the lookup table.
0: Uh, um, uh, well, if we did, it has completely <laughs> escaped my mind. <laughs> a lot, you know, a lot of these cameras they they record raw, right? So if
1: you actually just looked at the footage straight from the camera, it would look really bad it would look correct gray and not very much color. So there's this lookup table that the colorist and the director have decided on to, to get something close to maybe close to what they want in the final film. And they apply that on all the monitors so that when they're looking at the scene, when they're doing the video village on the scene of the, of the film at the actual set, they can kind of see what it's going to look like. They're not, it's not going to be too far off from, from what the final film is going to look like.
0: Well that's gotta be very helpful in monitoring. Yeah,
1: it is. And a lot of um even lower end uh uh monitors now have the ability to add this LUT to it, which is just basically a table that kind of changes one value to another and makes it look different. Nice. Yeah. So so uh so color so that would be considered more like a in a way more like a color correction because it's mm-hmm. changing something that's really off that raw footage into something that's more realistic looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, they could add even more style and that would be the color grade. Okay. So they cut, co- they color correct it so that the raw footage looks kind of natural. And then they add their style, that green and orange style or whatever the Michael Bay style. Yeah. And then it, it and then they can kind of see it as it's going to be shown in the
0: theater. So there's two things going on in that lot, perhaps. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because this friend of mine, who's the uh, who's the wedding photographer, he and I got in a discussion of uh, you know of you know different products and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and uh, I I was telling him that I was doing some color correction in uh, Premiere Pro, uh, just in Premiere Pro, uh, I'd been toying with the idea of uh, doing maybe a Magic Bullet looks. Uh, or something like that, and uh, this friend of mine told me that he uses um, uh, Magic Bullet Looks' uh, sister, which is Colorista. Is right. that I, I believe they're made by uh, by the same uh, fine folks? Yeah, they're both made by Red Giant, which just
1: makes all kinds of great plugins for Final Cut and Premiere. Yeah, and I use a couple of them. Although, you know, honestly, I don't. I don't use them that much, and the, and the reason for it is they're kind of, even though they're really intuitive and great great software, uh, at least in those two, I don't think that they're uh, CUDA compatible. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. My favorite word. Yeah, and I think we all know what CUDA is now.
0: CUDA, shoulda, woulda.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> this, this show should just be called <laughs> The CUDA Report. Right. <laughs> but... Uh, tech move the cuda report in parentheses (laughs) but anyway it's just a way of uh, using the gpu to accelerate stuff and and uh so like the built-in color corrector uh, a lot of them not all of them but a lot of the main ones like the three-way and the fast color corrector and premiere they actually uh, use cuda so you can apply these effects real time and you can just play them back real
0: time and they don't need rendering really in order to that's see what that's what I like about using yeah. uh, uh, the one in in Premiere Pro. Yeah. Uh, of of course, you know my friend was saying, "Oh no, you got to use Colorista." Oh, Colorista is the one to use. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I, I got to thinking about it. But uh, uh, you know, in many ways, if you know, if you find something, sometimes uh, you you might want to just stick with it, especially if you start getting used to to using it. Oh yeah.
1: Well, I actually used Colorista a little bit, but I just, I just couldn't stand the fact that I had to render. And and, and I think in the old Final Cut Seven days, it was it was the, the same slowness as the as the built-in Final Cut color corrector. Mm-hmm. And but way better. Like way more intuitive. It had more controls. The controls made more sense. Uh, so a lot of people said, okay, well, I can either use Final Cut's not very good three-way, or I can just use the Magic Bullet one and get. Better results for the same speed, but then when I moved over to Premiere and then I could get real-time color correction, I really don't use the Colorista for color correction anymore.
0: So you are also using Premiere Pro's uh, own color correction within within the software itself. Yeah, I use the I use the three-way. Actually, you know,
1: I'm using the uh, curves, the RGB curves a lot, which is mm. also CUDA accelerated, and that's a. Uh, mm. It's not like the traditional you know wheels and things like that it's just a bunch of lines uh one for the luminance and then one for rgb so there's mm-hmm. four basically four kind of like grids that are in right. the control and then you just move the curve around different spots and i actually can get i can actually color correct super fast just doing the color correction not necessarily grading i would probably use something else for that but the color correction getting things to look better you know less crushed or more crushed or better highlights or less highlights or whatever and then different balances and I use that along with the the scopes to get a pretty nice color correction going on.
0: Now, uh uh when you do that color correction, are yeah. you color correcting via individual scenes or are you taking an entire project and applying it all all, all the way through?
1: Uh if if the scene is well, no, it's actually usually per Per scene, event, right. yeah. Per scene or per camera event, like, yep. like if I knew that that shot is the same, these like twenty shots are in the same angle and lighting, then I'll then I just apply them to all. I'll do one and then I'll apply them to all of them. Right. But yeah, each each one will require a, probably it's probably in a different environment with different lighting. It probably require a different color correction. But the idea is to get them all the different scenes and everything pretty close. Right. And and one of the ways I do that is I actually have these little um, reference. Uh, checkers. Actually, these aren't that expensive. You can buy some reference charts that are really expensive, like five
0: hundred dollars for a piece of paper. <laughs> Seriously, like five hundred dollars for like they a, think it's a, like a textbook or something. Huh? Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's just hard to get colors super accurate on a piece of paper or something. But they also have a limited market, so I guess they have to charge a lot. But um, yeah. So I have these two devices. One is almost like um, I don't know, kind of like a netbook size. It's kind of like an iPad Mini, but but twice the size, like if an iPad mini folded up like a laptop. Oh, okay. Um And that's called the uh data color spider checker.
0: <laughs> that's a cute name.
1: Yeah. And so that actually used that one a lot. I just keep that in my, one of my camera bags and uh it's got a little, a couple mounts for tripod quarter twenties on it. And you can just open up like a book and spread it out hmm. and, and then put it, put it like on a tripod or just put it on, have somebody hold it. And then I just um, zoom in so that it's filling the frame, and then i it's a reference of all all these grays and all these different colors on it, and a bunch of different kind of checkerboard pattern. and uh so I can even in color and when I'm in color correction mode, I can even like zoom in to just you know I want, I want that white to be pure, I want that green or red or blue or whatever to be pure and, so, and then I can correct. I can use the curves or the, or the three way or fast color corrector to get that red the same in every scene Or mm-hmm. get that green the same in every scene. And that's that, that's the process I, I go through is I color correct all the scenes so that they're kind of, ma- kind of match color wise. And if I, and if I've done the work with these, this either the spider checker and the other one that is, is a really small, and this is more like a pocket thing. It's called the X-Rite color checker. And it's just kind of a smaller version of this. It's a, it's like, uh, about six inches, it folds out to about six by eight, so you know, quite a bit smaller. Yeah, um, and but it, you can put that in your pocket. So, if you ever need you know, quick quick reference, it's used a lot for photographers, but it works for videographers too. So, one's called the X-Rite color checker, the other one's called the data color spider checker.
0: Nice, yeah,
1: um, yeah, so I'll use that. I'll try to set that up in every scene if I can and aim at it. And then later I'll use that uh, to neutralize all the colors. So, so that there's a neutral color for the whole film. And then later I'll apply the grade and the grade that's, that's where it's one setting for the whole thing. Usually.
0: That, that, that is something that I really would like to learn more about uh, with, uh, with a little trial is the, you know, the gray card, I've heard so much about that mm-hmm. and, and and learning that whole aspect, uh, because I think that that could open up a, a, a world of, of uh, finer photography and videography.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something. It's, it's one of the, the basic things, and it used to be much more important, and I think, in the older days of video. Yeah. Um, it's probably a little bit less important now because things are just better. There's things have more latitude and there's more opportunities and techniques to correct it in post, so to speak. Right. (laughs) Um, but if you can uh, get it right on set or wherever you are, it makes
0: it makes it a lot less work later. I, I I think so because just thinking of like all the, you know, color correction and grading that has to go on like we were just talking about per camera per event type of thing i mean unless you're setting up some templates somewhere it's going to be uh you know pretty uh pretty lengthy process i think that's one of the things that um even though i know a lot of people think of it as fun the editing portion of it but boy it really is time consuming though it (laughs) is time consuming oh yeah it's time consuming and it's Mm -hmm. intense yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh yeah
1: so did sure. that did that kind of answer your question no boys? that was great okay. that,
0: that 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 was really great and uh so i want to thank you for for sharing that with us uh, and i do have to admit to you and our listeners out there that i am one of those people that interchanges the two uh terms of color correction and color grading yeah. just to make myself look smarter to the average <laughs> joe so anyway <laughs> oh yeah I'm gonna go take that and go color grade that or you color really, grade what what yeah. am I gonna color
1: grade you know and if you <laughs> want to be really cool you can just say I'm gonna grade that later
0: uh, I'll grade that <laughs> grade that later grade, grade <laughs> that I'll what give that you? a D elementary school teacher what are you <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that I, I, I do interchange those. I will no longer do that, as uh, as I vow to you now. I will uh, separate the two uh, for political correctness' sake. And um, <laughs> so good, good, excellent. All right, good. That is color correction. That is color grading. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will come back with more of this on Tech Move. Keith, I want to say a big congratulations to you. Well, actually, and to myself, because uh, this is our 20th episode of Tech Move.
1: Has it been 20?
0: It has been. Well, now... It seems like 40. Now, hang on a minute. Don't get too excited because it means 20 episodes. It doesn't mean 20 years, even though it seems like it's been that long. But it's only 20 episodes. And you know what? We probably, if we were a normal podcast, we probably should have about 100 episodes by now. But... uh, Yeah. like our honorary (laughs) 100th. We like to to keep the crowd begging for more. (laughs) And I know, folks, the listeners out there, that's exactly what you're doing. Is you're begging for more. I know that. Um, it's been 20 episodes, you know? And one of the fun things that I know you do often, and I do this too, is kind of review back where uh, where these 20 episodes have gone. You know, like now we're talking about, uh, you know, the quadcopters that are out there, these flexible LED panels. We're talking about, uh, you know, the... The, the great innovations in uh, in uh, uh, post production and, and all the camera the, the 4K that's out there. You know, here here's a funny thing. When we went back and looked at some of the old things we talked about, we were we were giving away stuff like <laughs> USB 2 devices. Okay, that that's a little dated now. Even though I still use to uh, USB 2. Uh uh but it's it's still quite a ways of, uh, 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 way back. Wouldn't you agree? It's a way back. Yeah. We've we've
1: gone through a lot of changes in the last it's been three years. We actually started recording our first
0: episode uh May 9th of 2012. Y- y- so. y- and you know what the great thing about that is that okay, May 9th, 2012. But we started to try to record. I think back in 2010, because <laughs> we couldn't get it together. We were planning for a while. Uh, planning yeah. is everything, my friends. <laughs> planning is everything. But boy, I mean, a lot of technology has changed in the time that we've, you know, oh, yeah. that that we started this thing. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah. There's a lot of t- there's been
1: a lot of technology, computer technology that's changed in three years. Yeah, like the Mac, the new. The new Mac Pro came out. The one that looks like a trash can came out. I still don't have it yet, but that's right. I see. I do see it in my future at some point when when I can't do stuff with my current system. Well,
0: isn't it also true that at that time I had just bought my first Mac in, a, you, in, a, yeah. in forever? So like I, I I was a PC guy, uh, and and just switching over when we first started recording. Uh huh. So yeah. I, I mean the, 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 that has been it's it's been a while i mean i've gone through uh not not just this imac but also you know changing it to an ssd drive and that took two years on its own would you, <laughs> just to figure out how to break the seal off the off the screen yeah i had to use my hair dryer and heat gun to, to try and melt all the glue
1: yeah yeah it's yeah you've so you've become a mac user in the last three years yeah and so what do you think of that? How's that working for you?
0: I love it. I yeah. love it. I, I, it, it. It's great. It's fantastic. And, uh, you know, now that I've changed uh, uh, to a SSD drive and stuff, you know, and now that I'm finally running Yosemite, everything is really running great. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah.
1: so so for me, um, I was on HD back in 2012. Uh, right. And... And uh, now I am still on HV, but also delving into the 4K world. Right. You know, so that's that's the evolution of camcorders. You know, well, like well, how about
0: how about back then too? I think weren't you using what was your camera of choice? Was it the FS 700 or something like n- that?
1: No, I actually got the FS 700. Um, a little bit after that, I got the F. Oh, I had you the FS one. Mar-
0: you were just doing the the 5D.
1: At that point, I think I was I was doing a lot of the DSLRs, and I had my EX1, and I had I had my FS100. So that was kind of my first foray into the the large sensor, but kind of camcorder-ish ones. That was not a DSLR. Right. Yeah. And then later, I got the FS700. Later right. that year. Wow. But but still, um, and that wasn't I couldn't even use the 4K of that until practically now. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah just because there wasn't, an, I couldn't, it was, f- f- supposedly the FS700 was 4K c- capable when they came out with it, and but it wasn't actually possible until you did a whole bunch of upgrades to it, and you got this external recorder. So that didn't happen for like a year and a half, right? if not more. So, yeah, so, yeah, so my first real 4K experience was just last year.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, with the GH4 and the FS700, yeah.
0: You know, and uh, because of the 20th episode, I'd like to suggest, Keith, that uh, in our 21st episode, as we launch our next one, we get back to some of the things that made Tech Move a household name in the podcast world. And I think we deserve uh, some good old segments like, uh, you know, teach me something new or put me in a coma. I think we're going to have to get back on the horse and uh, really uh, explore those little tidbits all over again. Oh, yes, I have a huge um, you know those you know those
1: crime uh, TV shows where they have the d- the post-its and they have lines yes. drawn in between them for the different suspects and <laughs> stuff like that. So I've got my whole wall full of, full of coma segments and and other things like that, just covering my wall with lines drawn between them. I'm ready.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait. That I, that, that sounds so exciting. That, that sounds that that sounds really really great. Well, yeah, we're 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 going to get back into that and uh we we we've got a lot of great stuff coming up in future episodes and uh you know, be, besides gear reviews and and uh and new techniques that uh Keith is stumbling upon. And, um I will hopefully try my hand at juggling and show you on the audio podcast how I'm doing with that. So, um be ready for that ladies and gentlemen. So Well, anyway, thank you thank you very much for 20 episodes. It's been great. You're very welcome. And uh y- you know Keith, uh really if it wasn't for you uh, this would just be me just rambling on about absolutely nothing. So I thank you for uh for being a great participant and uh having all the knowledge uh that we need for this podcast otherwise it would be just be stupid old me just juggling yeah just juggling juggling. just juggling juggling. doing nothing (laughs) uh hey we you know but we do seriously want to thank all of our listeners who 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 give us a shot and give us a chance at uh at uh, entertaining them with uh, some of this information thank you very much folks you can always catch us uh, on our website which is techmovepodcast.com we also have a Facebook presence we've got a Twitter presence Uh, what else do we have we uh, we still have our Amazon link which you can find uh, right Keith on our website somewhere Actually, yeah, it's, it's it's on our website. It's just You can click on it,
1: or it's really easy. You can just go to techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon, and that will take you to Amazon, but it'll put a little cookie in there to make your purchases during that, that particular um, period uh, apply to our uh, affiliate account, and we'll get a little bit of commission on that. So it's actually really easy, and I would suggest if you really like the podcast, just create a link that's techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon, and just put that on your into your browser, and just go to that. Whenever you go to instead of going to Amazon directly, just go through that link, and then we'll get a little bit of commission. That really helps us out. It
0: it, it does help us out, and and thank thank you, folks, for doing that. Uh, you know, every little bit helps. Uh, you know, keeps us on the air, and uh, uh, you know, we 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 really need it because uh, I I have a certain lifestyle of which I'm accustomed <laughs> to. So uh, anyway, twenty great episodes in the books, Keith. Uh, I, I think that we should, uh, head out for, uh, a celebration and we should go and do that as soon as we turn off the mics. Yep. I'm ready. I'm, I've got my bow tie on. Good, 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 good. (laughs) Excellent. And I have your wallet, so I will be, uh, (laughs) we'll be using that tonight. So, uh, Keith, uh, let's, uh, wrap this one up, put this in the can and we'll come back and do, uh, episode 21 where we're going to have a lot of neat stuff as uh, as we get back on the horse. What do you say to that?
1: Yep, sounds great, Ron.
0: Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We've had a lot of fun, and we've got a lot more coming up on uh, coming episodes of the great podcast known as Tech Move. See you later.